The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Hi, this is Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. There are many life changes that can happen after divorce that make it difficult or impossible to uphold requirements of your divorce decree. The orders issued in a divorce are based on the facts presented at that time, but the circumstances used in issuing those orders can obviously change. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. You are listening to The Bird Calls. For more breakdowns on the Pelicans, including interviews with coaches, journalists, and opposing experts, go to iTunes, search The Bird Calls, and subscribe today. What's up, Pels fans? Welcome to a special edition of The Bird Calls. I'm your host, Preston Ellis, and today we're going to address the future of DeMarcus Cousins, talk some Ticketmaster Gate, and then we'll preview the Pelicans' almost certain round two opponent, the Golden State Warriors. They look to close things out tonight at 10.30 Eastern time on TNT. And to do all this, we are joined by radio broadcasting manager and studio host for the New Orleans Pelicans, Mr. Daniel Salerson. Thank you for joining us, sir. Hey, Preston. How are you? I'm good, man. I'm, I'm glad to have you on. We were just talking off the air a little bit. It's it's nice to have all this national attention. Of course, we're going to get into some of the stuff. In reg- Hi, this is Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. There are many life changes that can happen after divorce that make it difficult or impossible to uphold requirements of your divorce decree. The orders issued in a divorce are based on the facts presented at that time, but the circumstances used in issuing those orders can obviously change. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, Talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. Guards to boogie, but but more than anything else, it's nice just to have the Pelicans on the lips of pretty much everyone around the country right now. Yeah, it's weird to think that the Pelicans were the first team to clinch their spot in the second round. I don't think a lot of people called that, but it is certainly fun to see a lot of national writers and some of the television shows talk about this Pelicans team, talk about how well they're playing because they certainly deserve it after what they did to Portland in the first round. Yeah, if anything, we're we're going to talk, and there's a negative way to look about all the picking apart of of your superstars and Anthony Davis, Rajon Rondo, Demarcus Cousins. Will they or won't he? That sort of thing. But the most important thing to take away is just that we are in the spotlight right now, and how exciting it is to be a Pelicans fan right now. You guys, you can follow him at D Salerson, and you may have also heard Daniel in previous weeks on Gus Cattengill's show on 100.3 ESPN NOLA, as well as Chris Gordy's show on 12:80 AM. Let's go ahead and get started, Daniel, with what may be a uh, potentially the silliest story of the week, but it has affected many Pelicans fans with the idea of purchasing their playoff tickets for whoever the Pelicans round two opponent may be. Like I said, it's probably going to be Golden State. But with that being said, WWL-TV reported that a pre-sale code meant for season ticket holders was obtained by people who should not have had access to them. And those tickets are now being canceled. What are you hearing is is happening with the Pelican sales office? And how will they kind of right the ship here and get that pre-sale code back to the right people? Well, as much as really I can comment on it, first, they shouldn't let me handle the tickets. That's why there's probably so much chaos right now. But nonetheless, 
Um, it's just something that happened with a single pass code that was distributed to full season ticket holders um, that ended up getting in the hands of some wrong people. There's not much I can really comment. The team released a statement earlier today about how they're going to correct it with some of the people. The pre-sale will continue um, for tomorrow, which is what the intent was anyway. So uh, it's an unfortunate situation, but the, the bright spot I can come from this is that people are demanding tickets and they want to get to the arena for game three and four. So I think that's the plus side out of all this that's happened. Thanks, Daniel. And I know that it's an important time for these guys who have been with the team all year long, these season ticket holders, these diehards, the guys who have been the backbone of the organization. They want the opportunity to celebrate with those guys and certainly hope. And uh, it seems like they will get that opportunity. So kudos to the Pelicans organization for handling the right way and getting it right. Let's get to the main story of the day, and that's DeMarcus Cousins. The question marks have been looming over the organization ever since he went down with that torn Achilles following his sensational month of January and more specifically that performance performance against the then unbeaten triumvirate of CP3, Harden, and Capella. But the Pelicans, again, find themselves in this catch-22 heading into the postseason. Of course, if the Pelicans get swept by the Blazers, then the storyline becomes Anthony Davis, and can he win a playoff game? And if the Pelicans win, well, then they don't need Boogie. What is your take on DeMarcus Cousins and the Pelicans' upcoming decision on the currently rehabbing superstar? I haven't. I know a lot of things have come up, uh, especially a lot of national writers have started touching on this, but it really hasn't come across my mind only because I'd rather be focusing on talking about the Pelicans in the playoffs. I know for agency and whether Cousins will stay or go, it's certainly looming, but I think it's also a little premature to say what the Pelicans might do and what the Marcus Cousins might do. I know there might be a few suitors that will want him. I know the Pelicans will certainly want him in the in the off season, but it's also going to depend on how his rehab is going, when he's going to be back, you know, coming uh, returning from an Achilles injury is never easy. And, you know, you're never, a lot of times you're never really 100% or never the same again. Doesn't say that DeMarcus could come back fully healthy and ready to play and be it better than ever, but you certainly don't know that. And I think Del Demps is going to have a tough a tough decision to make come uh, in June and July about whether they want to give him a max deal or uh, with five years or maybe a couple years and see how it goes if DeMarcus is willing to do that. So, a little premature for me to talk about and figure out what's going to happen. I can see them going in either direction, but right now I feel like the focus needs to be on this Pelicans team and what they're doing and getting ready for either Golden State or San Antonio. Yeah, definitely. Uh, just another quick note on this. You mentioned about the injury, and that's something uh, – uh, I guess guys like Zach Lowe and Kevin O'Connor have been talking about how the Pelicans would or wouldn't be able to trap guys like Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum if they had had Boogie. But I I don't think that should be the story here. The story here is the rehabilitation of that torn Achilles, like you said. And let's how how important is the next 10 weeks? He posted something on Instagram today that he's out of the walking boot. By all accounts, his rehab is going splendidly. How important would you say is the next 10 weeks of rehab for both the Pelicans and Boogie? Yeah, I think it's going to be very important for, for both sides here just to kind of see how, how he responds to his treatment, how he continues to respond. He saw it today, as he mentioned, or the other day, as far as him not being in a walking boot. He was off crutches when he came to New Orleans for games three and four. Um, it's going to be big to see how he's responding, but it seems like, you know, just based on the social media stuff, that he is 100% into this rehab and wanting to make sure he comes back better than ever so it is very encouraging to see that he's been focusing on his rehab whether it's in los angeles or las vegas but has also had some time to come here and watch the pelicans team and i also think that maybe seeing him seeing the team in the playoffs will kind of give him a taste of what it could be like here if he stays in new orleans or if the pelicans offer him to be here in new orleans i think this team could be something special but this is a very crucial time for him it's a very crucial time for the pelicans i think too and 
we'll see how he fares come 10 weeks. All right, now let's get to the main event tonight, 10.30 Eastern on TNT. Again, Golden State will be hosting the San Antonio Spurs in Game 5. Are you going to watch the game? And if so, what what specifically are you going to look for? Uh, I'm going to watch. I am an early – I go to bed early. I feel like I'm an old man, so I didn't even make it up, make it through <laughs> OKC in Utah last night, which I'm pretty bummed about just because I heard, you know, later on how chippy it was and how physical it was and how good of a game it was, at least for a little bit. Um, but I'm going to stay up and watch this one because I do want to get a sense of what this Warriors team is like without Curry. Obviously, I know a little bit because they've been without him for so long, but I want to see how they respond after losing in game four with a chance to close, close it out. I just want to specifically kind of look out on Draymond Green, Andre Iguodala, guys that really struggled shooting from the field during this series and how the Pelicans can really match up with these guys. I want to see how Clay Thompson kind of moves around without having Steph Curry there to help facilitate because I know a lot of his spacing comes from Steph Curry at the point guard. So I'm kind of, I wanted to see the offense, how they respond um, to the game three loss, but just kind of how things move without Curry because you know their offense is going to be different. I'm curious to see how that plays out as far as if they have the Pelicans here in the second round. Yeah, definitely. The offense will be difficult. And and that's why a lot of people have been talking with Curry without Curry in terms of their predictions for this series. But without Curry, in all likelihood, Steph Curry will not be able to play at least for the first game or two. And with that being said, all the focus then shifts to Kevin Durant. And the last time we matched up with these guys, he went off for 41. And the Pelicans kind of looked to take away everything and let Kevin Durant get his. They matched up Drew Holiday with him specifically on 33 different possessions. Would you be surprised if they go that route again this time? I wouldn't be surprised, based especially when you don't have to worry about Steph Curry, that you could focus primarily on Kevin Durant and Klay Thompson. That's why I want to go back to Draymond Green and Andre Iguodala. The way they're shooting right now, the Pelicans' defense probably wouldn't be as focused on those two guys. You can let them, you can let them hurt you with the jumpers if they land them, but if not, keep shooting. Kind of like in the Portland series with Alfred Camino. Alfred Camino probably has the best playoff, best series out of any of those guys between Lillard and McCollum and him, that if you're going to have a guy like Alfred Minu let you have it in, in games one through four, that's fine. But I want to see if they're going to make Draymond Green pay for it, Andre Iguodala pay, and really focus on Durant and um, and Clay Thompson. I think the wing defense is going to be the biggest key in this series if the Warriors end up advancing, whether it's Darius Miller, whether it's Etwan Moore, whether it's Drew Holiday. But the way Drew Holiday is defending, I, I wouldn't be surprised if that happens with Durant, but they also might pressure. You mentioned how Nico and Drew and AD can pressure on Lillard and double up on Durant. Yes, the Warriors have more weapons, but really right now only it seems like Thompson and, and Kevin Durant are the ones that are making you pay, so let's make the other guys pay and see if that pays off. There's one player who wasn't available on that that famous Saturday heading into the postseason, and that's Sean Livingston. And this guy's dangerous for a variety of reasons, but one of the principal reasons is is his length and his size and his ability to work the post, something that's kind of a forgotten skill in the NBA nowadays with all the perimeter shooting that's taken place. He's somebody who can bully smaller players, Rajon Rondo, Etwan Moore, and shoot directly over them. And if he is challenged by somebody like a Darius Miller or Solomon Hill, he also has the powers to facilitate to other guys cutting under the basket and that sort of stuff. How dangerous do you think Sean Livingston could be for the Warriors coming off the bench? Very dangerous. I think that's what's going to help the Warriors. I think they have a little bit of that edge over the Pelicans is the bench play. Obviously, the Pelicans normally go with an eight-man rotation right now with Hill and Miller and Clark being the main guys off the bench. And as I mentioned with Durant, that the the perimeter defense and the wing defense is going to be the key for the Pelicans in this series. And guys like Livingston and Iguodala and Quinn Cook, I mean, there are so many people 
that could hurt you for Golden State, not just the big guys in Durant and Thompson and Draymond Green. So I think Sean Livingston might be an X factor in this series, and the Pelicans are going to have to find a way, whether it's Miller or someone else, to kind of contain him a little bit. Now, in terms of X factors for the Pelicans, we've talked about Sean Livingston coming off the bench and what he can provide for the Warriors, uh, specifically scoring. But David West is also a guy from the bench. Actually, just in general, the Pelicans bench did not perform particularly well against the Blazers. They came up in big moments when it mattered. But as far as scoring goes, the the big four of the Pelicans at sprinkled in with some moments from Etuan Moore, pretty much carried most of the heavy lifting. But with this one, the Pelicans could potentially have an advantage with Nikola Miritich and with his spacing and uh, with with his, uh, I, I guess, steady perimeter shooting. It might be difficult for David West to stay on the floor at all. Do you see the Pelicans attacking David West with Miritich, or do you think Diallo could get some minutes and pair the two of them against each other? Yeah, you could see Diallo playing a little bit, but I do like the idea of having Miritich attack West because you know West does not want to defend on the perimeter, so the Warriors are going to have to figure out a way to get on Miritich if they don't want West going out. But if that's the case, if he does go out on Miritich, that opens up so much more inside because, you know, the Warriors are not really that big of a team, so whether that opens up things for Anthony Davis or even if you put Shaq Diallo in, that can give you that hustle, that can give you those six fouls if you need to. That's something that could be used in this series that, yeah, I could of it, I think it could be crucial to see how the Pelicans deal with a guy like David West, but I think the Pelicans, as you mentioned, I think has that advantage just the way Nikola has been playing, not only on the offense, he's been playing well defensively in the playoffs as well. Yeah, some other contributing guys for the Warriors that the Pelicans can take advantage of. Zaza Pachulia has not been getting a whole lot of run. In fact, he hasn't even been starting lately. JaVale McGee has been getting those minutes, but he hasn't been particularly playing too many. 17 minutes in the most recent loss to the Spurs, one that Zaza did not play at all, just a coach's decision. These are guys who are going to lack the athleticism to chase the Pelicans around. Of course, the Pelicans have been number one in pace in previous months. Uh, and with Miritich out there, they've just been flying. With that being said, they're probably going to see some combination of Kevon Looney and Jordan Bell, of course, Jordan being a, a second round pick, a rookie, somebody who's, you know, athletic and he's played well in spurts, but somebody that the Pelicans will definitely look to take advantage of. How do you think the Warriors plan to match up with Anthony Davis? Do you think they have Kevin Durant take on that assignment, Draymond Green, or do you think they just do it by committee approach? I think it'll be by committee, but I would see them primarily going with Draymond Green just because a guy that can be up on, on Anthony Davis. I know a guy that can try to get under Anthony's skin. I know the goal is probably going to try to get Anthony Davis in foul trouble there with Draymond Green. I know, you know, in the past series and sometimes, you know, it gets a little chippy between these two squads. At least I remember from that 2014-15 playoff series, I see Draymond Green as that guy that's going to have that chance to stop Anthony Davis. But as we talked about with the weapons the Pelicans have, it's, it's, it's sort of a pick your poison with this team right now because you have Rajon Rondo, the ability to help facilitate and free up the floor for other guys. He's been aggressive going to the rim. You have Drew Holiday that no one's really had an answer to how to stop him, whether he put Clay Thompson on him or not. Drew's been able to bully people down in the post, but he's also been way more aggressive in the postseason. And then you have Nico Miritich, whether you have to worry about his perimeter play or he's someone that's capable of cutting. I saw it a couple times in this series that his ability to cut to the basket and get some layups courtesy of Rajon Rondo um, has been something that's helped the Pelicans a lot in that series against Portland. So, it, again, it's a pick-your-poison type moment, but as of now, and again, that could change. I could see both ways. I can see a Kayvon Looney and a committee go by Anthony Davis, but I can also see Draymond getting a brunt of it. Now, you mentioned Drew Holiday, and that's something I wanted to touch upon. Uh, he played spectacularly. Uh, 
played like an all NBA uh, offensively and defensively. We knew going into the matchup with Portland that he was going to be assigned with a task of kind of slowing down CJ McCollum and Damian Lillard. And he, as well as the collective were able to do it, but offensively, I think we were just astonished at just how far and how much he's grown specifically with that 33 performance in game two and that 41 performance. Uh, point performance in game four uh, he said to slam magazine today he said I feel like it's my time to shine obviously we need big things from him in order to make this a competitive series but do you expect him to play as well as he did against Portland do you think there's even another gear that he could potentially reach I think so I think just because this is a bigger stage now you're going to get more eyeballs even though you did get some eyeballs against Portland there were two west coast games you had an NBA TV game now, if you play face the Golden State Warriors, you're going to see probably some ABC games, and all the games are going to be nationally televised. That there are going to be more eyeballs on him. I think there's so much for him to prove, or he wants to prove. You're just seeing a more aggressive Drew, more locked in Drew. I'm not saying he wasn't locked in the past, but you can see a different side of him. Whether it's trash talking, the pointing at Nurkic, whether it's um, talking to fans in Portland, you just see a guy that really wants to show that it's not just Anthony Davis and some guys. That Drew is someone that you can legitimately call a star, and I want to go back to being aggressive. I heard this stat, and it's probably updated a little bit more from Game 4, but heading into Game 3, Drew Holiday was going to the basket. 50% of his shots were coming inside the paint, and compare that to the beginning of the, or the regular season, only 36% of his shots are going into the paint. Rajon Ronda talked about it today as far as the aggressive Drew that went to the free throw line 10 or 11 times in a game, and if he can do that during the, during the series against Golden State, then the Pelicans could be in pretty good shape, and out of those 50% of the shots he made in the paint or took in the paint, he made 71 of those. Again, that was going into game four, but it just shows you an aggressive Drew is an effective Drew, and I think it actually makes people around him better as well. Now, one thing that I think the Warriors might try to take advantage of, the Pelicans' big four, as I mentioned, I've got the numbers in front of me. AD averaged 33-12 and 12 and three blocks on 57% shooting. Drew Holiday was 28-7-4 and four on 57. Nico was 18-10, 4.3 steals and blocks on 57% shooting, including 46 from three. And, of course, Rajon Rondo, 11-13-8 and eight on 49 and 43 from three. The Warriors can't let all four of these guys enjoy this kind of success again, and we're all anticipating that Anthony Davis is going to bring uh, his pretty consistent big game uh, to the postseason in round two against the Warriors. And Drew Holiday, we're expecting, is going to give us some more of the same. So the Warriors are going to have to limit either Nikola Miritich or Rajon Rondo. And Rondo's been here before many times. I think it was the 2012 NBA Finals where he enjoyed maybe his best performance ever, some something like 44-10 and 10 in that uh, Eastern Conference final series against the, the Miami Heat at the time. But Nikola Miritich has not yet proven it to us on this stage. Do you think he's somebody that the, the Golden State Warriors could look to limit? Yeah, I think if you, uh, in some of the game against Portland, I think the guy that they were trying to take out was Nikola Miritich because he had a, a slow first half as far as getting offensively off to a good start. I think he took no shots almost in the first quarter. I think the Blazers did that in doubling him and making Nico work for a shot. So I think you probably will see that from Golden State because you're going to think, as you mentioned, that AD's going to get his, Drew's going to get his, okay, how do we contain Nikola Miritich? Because Rondo is normally not the threat on offense. He's just the one that can help run the offense. So I think if you're the Warriors, you have to focus on Nikola Miritich because he's capable, as we saw, of going off for 30, 35 points. And if you can get that out of Nikola in that second round, then the Warriors could be in big trouble. 
with Steph Curry on the bench, and I'll, I'll be more specific, he's got a grade two MCL sprain on March 23rd. Steve Kerr said he still has a few limitations. He doesn't expect him back immediately. They're, they're still evaluating him. He did participate in some non-contact drills, but uh, has not participated yet in any five-on-five. Five. But just going over what we've been talking about so far, Daniel, just how dangerous Clay Thompson is. Kevin Durant, of course, Draymond Green is so versatile, kind of a Swiss Army knife, but he hasn't been shooting particularly well. And then you've got guys like Andre Iguodala, who haven't been shooting well. Quinn Cook, who enjoyed success against Rajon Rondo in the first quarter, but as soon as he was uh, paired against Ian Clark and Etwan Moore, they limited him for the rest of the game. And then the four starters of the Pelicans and how successful they've been. This looks a lot more equal on paper than it did... uh, a few months ago even, doesn't it, Daniel? Yeah, I mean, it showed in the game that the Pelicans needed to get into the playoffs in the last week of the season against Golden State that they matched up fairly well against this Warriors team, and I think we go back to the depth of each team, and it's it's where the Pelicans bench is going to have to step up if they want to contend in this series against the Warriors. You're going to need guys like Ian Clark to give you 10 or 12 points. Darius has got to give you more than maybe one free a game, but has also picked it up a little bit defensively in that first series against Portland, and then you're going to need more from Solomon Hill, who's pretty, has struggled a lot in that series, is capable of showing you spurts of maybe he can produce some offense, but the defense, he's lost a, a little bit of that due to his hamstring. I don't know if he's fully back yet, but I think Solomon Hill could be a guy that if you can get even half as good as what he was last year as far as his production, um, whether it was scoring or some of his defense, I think Pelicans can be in good shape, but I think it's the bench play that's really going to determine how this series goes, because you know the stars are going to be the stars for both teams, but I think the Warriors have a little bit of edge as far as depth is concerned, and that's where the Pelicans are going to have to match that. Daniel, thank you so much for your time. I'm going to ask you one more question, and then I'm going to get your prediction for game one, and we're going to assume that's without Steph Curry in all likelihood if they close it out tonight. It should be at some point on Saturday night. Alvin Gentry had a kind of tongue-in-cheek quote that he wanted to outcoach Steve Kerr. Obviously, that's in reference to his buddy. He served as his primary assistant just three years ago. And now on his staff, Steve Kerr has Mike Brown and Ron Adams, as well as some other guys. And the Pelicans, of course, have Darren Ehrman, who is a hot coaching candidate. I think there's five squads that need a head coach right now, and many of them may be waiting to interview him, as well as Chris Finch, one of the most, uh, I I guess, one of the things that we talk about the least in terms of the acquisitions the Pelicans made over the offseason in terms of the signing of Drew Holiday, Ian Clark, Darius Miller, Rajon Rondo, one of the things that's forgotten is that the Pelicans, uh, point of fact, stole Chris Finch from the Denver Nuggets, and in addition, you could even uh, lump Rajon Rondo, excuse me, into that conversation as well, somebody who kind of coaches the unit on the floor and is a uh, leadership-type character and one of the guys in the locker room who kind of keeps everybody calm and even keeled. You got him watching a game film just minutes after after the Game 3 victory. In terms of this matchup, Steve Kerr versus Alvin Gentry and their respective staffs, who do you give the nod to? That's a tough one. Um, I think, obviously, I mean, you can go either way with this with Alvin Gentry having more coaching experience. Kerr has been in the league, though, just as long, being a player, a GM, a coach. The staff around him, as you mentioned, is really good. But I think you have to give credit to Darren Norman for what he's done with his defense since he's been here in New Orleans, and you have to like what Chris Finch has done with the offense. I'm not sure there's really, in the, as far as uh, who I give the nod to, but you have two really good coaching staffs, and I think certainly the Pelicans is up there with the Warriors as far as matching up if you're going to look at the assistant coaches and Mike Brown and Rod Adams and then Chris Finch and Darren Ehrman. So I think they're both up there, and Alvin gave credit to Ehrman, and the players have been getting credit to Ehrman. So maybe in that sense with the defense and 
Erman, the adjustments he's made in this in this playoffs, and even certainly after Boogie went down, he may have to give a slight edge to Pelton here. Yeah, they've they've done more than anybody has expected, and at this point in time, going into round two, how can anyone possibly uh, know what to expect from this Pelicans team that just a few weeks ago was was close to falling out of the playoff mix, and now is the first right. team into round two at four zero? Thank you so much. This is Daniel Salerson again. He is the r- radio managing uh, and host of the New Orleans Pelicans. You can follow him at D Salerson. Daniel, where can our listeners best find your work? Some of your pregame interviews with Jim Eichenhofer, that sort of thing. Um, a lot of the video stuff you can find on Pelicans.com, the mobile app, or at Pelicans NBA. We'll both be on the road for the second round, so I would just go there as far as our practice reports and our pregame reports and things like that. But if you're listening to the Black and Blue Report podcast, you can find that on the team app and the website. And then listening on 99.5 is the best way to do so is our flagship. But, of course, if you're not within the area here, you can log on to the Pelicans app or even tune in. If you have a tune-in subscription, you can get all Pelicans games or buy the league audio pass for nine ninety nine, and that can get you every single playoff game if you want to listen. It's only ten bucks, and you can listen to our broadcast from wherever you are around the country. So plenty of options, but the best bet is Pelicans dot com, uh, the mobile app, and you can follow on Twitter. All right. Thank you so much for listening to the bird calls. Don't forget to keep your eyes on the birdrights.com where we have excellent material coming at you daily. For now, I'm Preston Ellis. Daniel, thank you so much for your time, sir. Thanks for having me. All right, let's go, pals. hope you've enjoyed listening to the bird calls on OTG and nothing but net here on Dash Radio. If you like what you're hearing, please take a moment to rate us on iTunes, retweet, share with your friends, and most importantly, subscribe today. Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is you're one step closer to becoming your parents. You'll proudly mow the lawn. Ask if anybody noticed you mowed the lawn. Tell people to stay off the lawn. Compare it to your neighbor's lawn and complain about having to mow the lawn again. Good news is, it's easy to bundle home and auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance, which, of course, will go right into the lawn. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discount not available in all states or situations. Let's consider the secret life of the innermost nesting doll. Living most of her life in the dark inside the other nesting dolls, she has plenty of time to think, if she could. Sadly, she has no brain. However... When an innermost nesting doll hears that Geico not only saves people money, but also has been providing great service for over 75 years, she thinks it's obvious you should switch. Because yes, switching to Geico is a no-brainer. Pity the innermost nesting doll and her lot in life. 